Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Remember leaving the house and going to stuff? Well, it's back because Great Big Owl is bringing some of our favorite shows to the London Podcast Festival starting September the 2nd. And we'd love to see you there. So if you're a fan of... Two Mr. P's in a podcast. Brian and Roger. My mate Water Toaster. Friends with Friends. The The One Show Show. Richard and Greta. From Queer to Eternity. Wrestle Me. Or just daytime drinking. Then go to the King's Place website and grab some tickets now. And buy some tickets, we ideally mean eight tickets, that's one for each show. Actually bring a friend and make that 16 tickets. Great Big Owl, the only podcast network with the audacity to ask you to buy 16 tickets in one go. But we'll be thrilled if you just buy one. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Game of Thrones. The Walking Dead. Westworld. No, that's the West Wing. West, Westworld. There have been many podcasts which seek to analyse the complexities, the depth, the plot lines, the hidden story arcs, the beauty of these productions. Quite simply, the world doesn't need another one, which is why we're applying that level of discussion to the bottom of the televisual barrel and scraping it with a weekly celebration of The One Show. And we are back. Yes, after a break, we, like the Taliban, have returned. Although, instead of violating rights, oppressing women and deliberately targeting civilians, monuments and public buildings in violation of international humanitarian law, we bring you the podcast that takes a deep dive into TV's shallowest programme. Yes, it's the The One Show show, and though it's televisual crimes, perhaps in many ways rival those of the <laughs> Taliban, we're here to see if it, like the Taliban say they have, it's changed since we last accepted those oh-so-green sofas as our leaders. Now, 
We last met here in One Show Analysis podcast land during lockdown one. And what a giddy time we've all had since then. But both Mark and myself have been double-jabbed against ill-conceived filler films about seabirds. We're protected against trite celebrity guests plugging some old shit. And we're letting Giles Brandreth pass through us as to achieve some kind of herd immunity. So together, let's find out exactly what the One Show has been up to since we last graced the pod waves. With impeccable timing, we've cleverly chosen to return just as the One Show itself is on a summer break. Great. But that's fine because OM and also G, they've left plenty of detritus for us to sift through like Gillian McKeith used to do with Pooh before she went all anti-vaxxy and mad. I am John Holmes and this week then, oh, an ill-conceived filler film about seabirds. What's your favourite ice cream flavour? And Hugh Jackman has an issue with his nose. Joining me to stone it all to death with words are, of course, Mark Haynes and a third of the comedy threesome, the trap comedian, actor and writer, is Paul Litchfield. Paul Litchfield. Hey. It's a big podcast, everybody. <laughs> it's good to be back, isn't it? It's good to be back. Yeah, I mean, I mean not necessarily good to happen to be watching the one show again, but it's <laughs> it, it's nice to be talking about it, John. You know, you can't knock that. I noticed on my <laughs> iPlayer when I typed it in, it took until it got to the H in show before it offered up the one show. Um, oh. So, so unsure that people would actually desperately want <laughs> specifically to watch the one show. That's very yeah. strange that you mentioned that, Mark, because when I looked on BBC iPlayer, it actually uh, tried to take me to the dark web. So. <laughs> <laughs> at, every, at every turn, the iPlayer tries to throw you off the one show scent. It would rather send you to paedophilia user groups. It's <laughs> not often as well. It kicked off, you know, when I, when I clicked it on with an advert for the Celebrity MasterChef. And it's not often when you're watching a show that you think, Oh, I wish I was watching Celebrity Master Chef. <laughs> no, well, the never... first question we must ask <laughs> is: Have you ever watched the one show before? Um, okay. Well, look, look, first of all, thanks for having me on. It feels a bit like jury duty, and like someone's got to do it at some point. Which I'm everyone happy to gets do. a turn. Yeah, yeah, everyone gets their turn. Um, I'm going to say um, I have obviously. Yes, I know of it. I don't watch it, but I have a rather sort of. Pavlovian response to when the theme comes on. As soon as the, that theme tune comes on, I immediately have to start doing something, which is <laughs> yeah. normally yeah. prepping dinner or going out into the garden or self-harming. It's one of those. <laughs> <laughs> because I just... I, I cannot stick a slim, tin shit of it. I mean, it's just the worst. <laughs> yeah, um, because I think... I mean, this is, it, it's a joy to talk about because the format is just so jarring, the way that they just leap twixt and fro from issues that you just go, what? And I, I understand that things like This Morning has the breadth of airtime to maybe sort of um, do that a bit better. But a 28-minute show that leaps sometimes from pubic lice to Sally Gunnell, it's just... <laughs> It's just too oh, much to cope with. That's that, you think that's a great leap. That's one of their easy segues. <laughs> that's that's an easy, easy one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. 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 Should we start with? Um, we'll start with the, the Tuesday. Uh, was it the Tuesday of the Monday? I don't know. It blends into one. But it was it was done with Alex Jones and Ronan Keating, a man Ronan with Keating. all the charisma of Ronan Keating. <laughs> the, uh, it's worth saying, you know, that, that we we aren't doing live episodes. That that we've sort of made this format even worse by having to not take fresh episodes of the One Show shit, but old, sort of stinking piles of fetid yeah. One Show yeah. shit, because they're on holiday at the minute. They've uh, decided to take the show off just as we decided to come back. I'm quite looking well, forward I... to maybe when you both start ripping the shit at a teletext at some point. <laughs> it's, uh, it's the podcast waiting to happen. The, the, the idea that we had to go back and watch the final two broadcasts, Ooh. though, before they went on their summer break, was sort of 
sort of fitting because there was a um we could start with the very end i suppose because um mm. alex jones had a sort of because she's going off to have a baby another baby her third baby as they kept saying there was a sort of tribute to her wasn't there right yeah, at the end amazing. of the of the last program yeah um, I, I, which I, was called one big thank you we've got a message here uh, from pauline out oh. and she says the trials and tribulations of the pandemic have been eased by alex oh her infectious giggle and accent getting more and more Welsh the more excited <laughs> she gets has kept our spirits up. She has no idea how good she is, that's true. She gives one big thank you to lots of folks, so let's give her one huge big thank you before she goes on maternity. Oh, Pauline, so, stop it! Ow, we were only too happy to oblige, so this is your one big thank you. I, I feel like we've seen this exact scenario and package a, a number of times in the last year. So every time she has a baby, which is obviously twice, and this is the third, we've had exactly this package. I think there yeah. was a bit, obviously, when Matt Baker left, they did exactly the same. And it seems like the one show is more keen on this package than it is on anything else that it does in the year. Um, it's the most consistent package they have, to be fair. Yeah. I just thought this was something that they do at the end of every week, Alex, <laughs> just to keep her on the contract. And, only, um, they, you know. they had Ronan saying at the start, you know, um, so, you know, you made us laugh, you've made us cry. You deserve a one big thank you, Al. You've been amazing this last year. You've been there for everybody across this country every evening, 7 p.m. on the one show. You've made us laugh, you've made us cry. I mean, that, been that there isn't always. true. That, that, you yeah. might as well say, you could lie about anything. If you're going to lie, just say you destroyed Tokyo in the 50s. <laughs> um, you're, you're, you're made of gas. You go they under should just doors. say, you've made us watch. And then that's it. I, I, I loved the um the little tears in her eyes. And she's like, oh, guys, that's so amazing. And I just really got the impression that she was completely in charge of that edit bit. Oh, she, she, she edited all of it. Oh, my absolute favourite bit of it was the delineation between celebrities who were saying stuff and normal people. And they, yeah. the normal people had a strap uh, underneath their, their sort of little bit as they were speaking and that just identified them as the one show viewer. Thank you for all you've done for us, especially during the pandemic. <laughs> No name, not Doris 84, Blackpool, no. you know, the one show viewer. It was, um, I, I, I will correct you, Mark, it was Gethin Jones, your favourite, who introduced this sequence. Yeah, of I course think, not. I think Ronan was the opening of the video. Um, I think that's, that's true. where he, he said was, it. Yeah. I, I beg your pardon, you're absolutely right. Because was. they were able to get him because he'd been sitting in as he did a the day before. Yeah. The day before. So, what, so Gethin's done this a few times, I can only presume. Y- yes, he's Mark's favourite. Yes. Uh, yeah. he, um, he's yeah. like the sort of embodiment. You know, if you get out of a hot bath too quick <laughs> and you feel a bit. Uh, uh, Just, that's him. He presents he's, with all of the, the same sort of like rhythm and cadence of a nurse telling you there's no need to panic you've had a big stroke yeah. but I'm here to look after you yeah. and this isn't a hospital this is Gaffin's dungeon <laughs> it's, like, it's like they've, it's like they've tranquilised Stanley Unwin <laughs> He's, uh... when he introduced it Right. Did, did, did I mishear he, this I played he... it back a couple of times did Gaffin introduce it and then before they rolled VT, I think Alex Jones said fuck under her breath. What? <laughs> I was fairly sure. What? No. Have a, let's have a listen You're now. You're too happy to oblige. So this is your one big thank you. And again. <laughs> one big thank you. <laughs> I think she said fuck. I'm fairly sure she did. I, I think the important thing is, John, let's not give her the benefit of the doubt. She needs to be fired. <laughs> <laughs> she, was, she was probably just reading one of her tattoos. 
<laughs> Let's not leap onto Gethin. We've, we've got to deal with the Keating. <laughs> yes. Well, well, yes. I mean, we, we have got to deal with Let's Keating. Deal I mean, with that, that was a... If we're going to hop about, then uh, then absolutely right. He was on the night before, um, <laughs> and Keating Keating is also now a regular standing presenter since the uh, demise of Baker. Mm. Um, well, where should we start with him? I mean, should we start with with? Well, let's start at the beginning of the show because yeah. they they think they've got a vague structure, so we might as well copy it. Guests were Ryan Reynolds, good guest, mm, yeah. Michael Parkinson, mm-hmm. um, and the films were. Um, the perfect seaside ice cream scoop. Yep. Bird watching on the Yorkshire coast. Yep. Uh, which included a rare glimpse of a puffling, which Alex told us is a baby puffling. Bird watching cool. Ollie and Adim are off to the Yorkshire coast to try and catch a rare glimpse of a puffling. Yes. Which is yeah. a baby puffin. Yeah. And, and Ronan started off by, before they went to the thing. Uh, Ronan, uh, when she said they're looking for a puffling. Ronan said, "Yeah, they're not extinct. And they're not extinct. They're not extinct. All right, David Attenborough. <laughs> yeah. and I thought what that hinted at was there were two things that were happening there. Is one Ronan had confused it with a dodo earlier in the day, and he was making <laughs> yeah. a joke about that. When they or a pterodactyl. Puffing, yeah. <laughs> I love the fact he said they're not extinct. No, because that's a baby <laughs> of the species that gave birth to it, which yeah. is clearly alive. But I also have the feeling that." They must have had a big conversation where he's trying to convince people that baby puffins are extinct. The whole thing is just a big mess. Um, <laughs> what, 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 what I was surprised about is they had, the, obviously, Parkinson uh, in as, as the uh, quite a long interview. Probably got more screen time than Ryan Reynolds. Which, in his oh, yeah. panic room. Yeah, in his panic room. Yeah. It, it was a bit of a panic room. Did you notice <laughs> what he had in there? He, had a, yeah. he had a ket- genuinely had a kettle and mugs. Mm. Uh, in it, and mugs. it wasn't a sort of Plastic office, mugs. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And there, and there was a copy behind him of a book, which was how to eventually become more right-wing for dummies. <laughs> He's clearly right. And he had a great cover. big, he had a great big prominent poster of himself. He of did. Himself? He I did. I, that was, it took me, I, I thought for a while it was Jimmy Tarbuck, and I was like, you know, strange sort of thing to be a fanboy of. Which he just spits at. <laughs> <laughs> what was funny is they, they, they sort of, you know, you, obviously you remember Parkinson as being the greatest TV chat show of all time. And... Yeah. You suddenly realise that when you when they sort of go, let's have a little clip and see who it is. They have Ryan Reynolds and Parkinson there, and they do it to show that that Ronan Keating was on. And you suddenly remember that Parkinson wasn't always vintage, was it? That he had no. to do a twenty-minute chat with Ronan Keating when he was in his twenties. Now we had a route around. Ryan, you'll enjoy this as well. We had a route around in the BBC archives, yeah. and what did we find, Ronan? Oh, a fresh-faced young thing on Parkinson telling us all about his ambitions for his career. Have a look and wait till the camera pulls out because the trousers, they're special. That's not yeah. in, in Snakes in trousers. The fact they made a lot of the trousers, didn't oh, they? They really they liked the trousers. They showed the entrance that Ronan made onto Parkinson because the one show has a thing of if it thinks the joke is good, it will always go back for a second bite. Because nothing is funnier than the same joke done twice. Yeah, look what you were wearing once. And then Alex Jones is laughing your head off going, aren't you embarrassed? What are you all laughing at? <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 what? No, not you, Ryan. Yes, not Ryan. Ryan's enjoying the Yes, he is. Wow. <laughs> Meanwhile, she's dressed like she's the owner of a sugar plantation in Atlanta in 1890. <laughs> yes. she, she looked like she was wearing a sort of a wedding dress that a, a, a woman in her 80s would yeah. appear sort of wearing, and they'll she sort looks of go, like she she's about jilted to, in the 20s. Yeah, she's going to step off a sedan chair in the Mississippi and go, where's my bow? <laughs> Very odd. Yes, it was. Uh, the, the, 
the, the, the funny thing about Parkinson, of course, is when you're showing that Ronan Keating clip, you've got a genuine Hollywood A-lister and you've got Michael Parkinson. And television would now rather show you a presenter you've got no interest in wearing some trousers in the past. <laughs> missed opportunities. They've got so Michael much Parkinson. stock footage, haven't they? Like Muhammad Ali. And the, you know, they can well, play I knew so he was going to drag... I knew he was going to drag oh, that out. As soon Connelly as they said, you know, well. what, were your, what were your highlights, Michael Parkinson? And you sort of go, right, here we go. He's going to say, Billy Connolly. Billy Connolly, as an example. Mm. I mean, when Billy appeared on Personal Show, nobody had ever heard of him outside of Glasgow. He won't say Emu because he no. hated the Emu thing. Yeah. So the one show will have wanted to play a clip of Emu, exactly. but Michael Parkinson will have said no. You, can, you know already that's happening. Yeah. Also, behind Michael Parkinson, next to his kettle, was a dog bowl. And I like to think now that Parkinson laps his food from that. <laughs> I, I tell laps you what, his tea. What was the surprise is I haven't seen Parkinson on TV for a few years. And because you are so used to seeing him, that when you see him a bit older, it comes yeah. as a genuine shock. It did. Yeah. I did a bit of a double take. Yeah. It's, it's not his fault he's not on TV. You know, he, he, it's not his fault that he's older. It's now. not I his mean, fault that enough. time happens. You know, no one I just, is blaming you know, so, Michael Parkinson for that. So what are your favourite memories, Mike? Well, I seem to remember doing a line of K with Angela Lansbury in the green room. No, no we're going to have to cut that. We're going to have to cut that. Yeah. You can talk about that, but don't talk about emu. I hate it. Don't talk about bloody emu. I did, I, I did actually write down all of the questions that were asked to Michael Parkinson. What I did How are you? As one of the great like, interviewers of all time. What's your favourite ice cream? <laughs> yeah. Do you like question, lasagna? <laughs> the first question was... Who was your favourite guest? Who stands out as your favourite guest? The second was, how did you get started? How did you make, then, the the move into television? The third, did you ever get nervous? Did you ever get nervous? The fourth, how do you relax people on set? Uh, What were your techniques to get them, well, to make them feel relaxed on set? And the fifth and final one, what were the standout ones? What were the standout ones, then? Which is exactly the same as the first question, who was your favourite guest? Those are te- like questions that that like school children would ask if they yeah. said we've got someone coming in who is an old interviewer. I'm I'm just surprised they didn't say. Have you have you ever worn snakeskin trousers, Michael? <laughs> <laughs> they blow up. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. 
Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hello, it's Mr. P here. And the other Mr. P. And we are the hosts of two Mr. P's in a podcast. The educational podcast where you don't actually learn a thing. No, instead we explore the weird, wonderful and downright hilarious things that happen in school from people actually doing the job. We reminisce on our own time at school, funny things we experience each day. And of course, we share your hilarious stories from the chalk face. So if you work in a school or just want a nostalgic trip down memory lane, sit up straight, fingers on lips, and get ready for the lesson. Oh, what's also funny is when Ronan Keating's been on and they continually ask, what, who was your favourite guest? And he's like, well, everyone but him. Yes, yeah, so it wasn't that bastard. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I found an interview with Michael uh, uh, Parkinson in 2010, which I found very interesting. Um, he was talking about uh, basically how his show didn't have a place on British television anymore. He said, yeah. the trouble with the talk show is everyone fancies their chances. Even those on the extreme fringes of the ever-expanding world of modern celebrity reckon it's a doddle. They're encouraged in their foolish ambition by television executives who really ought to know better than to entrust the job to people who, more often than not, neither know how to ask a question nor listen to the answer. Wow. Um, that that, was sound, 11 that years sounds like ago. no Ledman's rider. <laughs> <laughs> but it is that thing of having the great interviewer on and you've got Alex and Ronan sort of just going, uh, so uh, how did you relax people on set? Oh, yeah. Well, I used, to, I used to fucking wank them. <laughs> uh, to the women, I'd be sexist. I will tell you this, I did, I, I did a massive Tom Titton emu after that interview. <laughs> uh, I did, uh, he obviously does face this, sort of, you know, some allegations over the years of being a bit sexist and a, and a bit sort of, you know, patronising to some of his women guests. Um, I loved the fact that he couldn't remember the name Lauren Bacall and he wanted to mention it twice. Oh, I know. And each time he had to refer to her as uh, Humphrey Bogart's wife. Well, I mean, you can't get past that. You can't get past some of the great stars of Hollywood, like James Cagney and, and people like that, who I, I watched as, as a kid. The women that I, I loved and fell in love with, who I later got to meet and, and became friends, like uh, Avery Bergman and uh, Humphrey Bogart's wife what was her name oh, was... <laughs> it, uh, but I mean it, so, uh... <laughs> yeah yeah no, yeah, no. Oh, the best bit about it was he was saying I became friends with a number of people who I interviewed uh, uh, Ava Gardner um <laughs> Humphrey Bogart's wife. What was good friend. I used to I used to go down to the roller disco with Billy Bragg. <laughs> <laughs> no, you did not. Oh, I well, yeah, the fact that he just didn't know her it just didn't know the woman's name. I mean just <laughs> And awesome. then he went back to it. That was the best yeah. it was yeah. all he was thinking about was oh Look at the right tip, not knowing her name there. And that was all that was on his mind. So when he I'll, I'll have another run at it. James Cagney, you know, Humphrey Bogart's wife, though. Oh, <laughs> oh God. I've met so many people. Hang on, Arthur Kitt. No, 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 it wasn't Arthur Kitt. I don't know why, but the only one I can remember now is that one. I can't even remember the boxer. Yeah. It's just the one who was the wife of the Humphrey the Bogart. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the one who's in James Bond. <laughs> Absolutely but, magic. And also, speaking of... of um, of, of of things Alex said that Poss probably didn't mean to. Did she say at the beginning of this Parkinson interview when they were talking about regional accents? 
Did she say yeah. you were a trainblazer? So you were sort of a trailblazer at the time. What's a trainblazer? You are <laughs> Is that what you're wearing? <laughs> uh, 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 credit to Parkinson, though, for just absolutely not wanting to be part of this modern bullshit story. Uh, th- th- that, that question being, were you a trailblazer or a trainblazer uh, when it came to hearing regional accents on TV? And <laughs> yeah. he was just like, uh, I, I started off as a journalist, which is, he was really like, Fuck your question. I have no interest in, <laughs> in this ridiculous culture war. You know, it was uh, very, very good uh, to see that steamroller. One, one of his highlights that he kept talking about, of course, was Muhammad Ali. But then they played a clip of it, but it was the short... It was about ten seconds. A meaningless clip. Nothing happened. A meaningless clip. You've been voted sports personality of the world. Does that surprise you? Yes, it do, because uh, of the world. That's a big thing to be, you know, the... Uh, Number one man in the world. Absolutely, like uh, totally, a clip totally chosen at random. Yeah, there, there were so many points throughout the two episodes I watched where they'll come back to either Alex or Gethin or um, Ronnie Keating, and they just answer completely out of context. Like they just haven't been listening to anything oh, com- that's been said. I, I noticed a new thing about Gethin. It happens that, that so many exactly times. That Paul. It's exactly that. You should have asked this the bit where he's talking to Richard E. Grant, who's talking about being the old classic Loki. Yeah. And he, and he says, "Well, I wish I had, my, uh, you know, I wish I had some muscles like you, Gethin." That was a bit uncomfortable. Yeah, I thought for a start that I would be in that costume with your muscles. <laughs> so I was very put out when I got there, and I said, "So where's the Gethin suit?" And they said, "No, no, no, you're just going to have Loki magic." And I said, "No, I need Gethin muscles because I was born." As you can see, without him. Yeah. And then he, and, and he says, you know, I did ask them to put muscles in the suit. I mean, I did ask. And then the next thing that Gethin says is, well, you should have asked. You've got to ask for it, see? You've got to ask for these things if you want them. <laughs> and he I, goes, I did! I did ask! <laughs> I noticed another, another interview where he repeated one of the lines they'd said just before they came out. And his big <laughs> thing is he repeats what's going on as if he's listening and in part of a conversation. And yes. it's just, it's just like... I, I can't even think. I was about to say it, it's like a trained monkey, but a monkey <laughs> can't speak. So it's, I don't know what it's like, but it's just, it's, as soon as you notice it, you go, oh my, that's his technique to get through life, is you say yeah. the last thing you just heard. The yeah. last thing you just heard. Or, or you're just idly thinking while they're talking and then you just connect that dot. Because there's a bit after, um, in the second episode, where Hugh Jackman has just finished plugging his bloody film or whatever. Mm. And they go, thank you very much. And then... Alex goes, we will need it. Thank you. We will need it. (laughs) (laughs) What are you talking about? (laughs) You'll need what? I don't understand what that meant. What what they need in the studio is two men with fucking idiot boards with the word context written on it, and they just wobble them. (laughs) Just always have some context. There there was also some bits where Alex, especially, would review how they were doing, and she would always do it negatively. She'd sort of go, oh, yeah, very bad content. You know, yeah. uh, <laughs> lot of shit. <laughs> oh, that, this, this is this is fucking crap. Fuck this. <laughs> yeah, she also was talking about with Parkinson. You know, I, I studied you. I didn't learn anything from it though. Well, lots of people like myself have watched lots of your interviews. You know, over the years, gone back through the archives to pick up some tips. It didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work. And everyone has a laugh. There is something a little bit about. This smacks of being a little bit of a race to the bottom by saying that you know <laughs> this is all a load of shit. It, we think it's a load of shit. If the people making it think it's a load of shit, why don't we just stop? 
<laughs> because then we'd have nothing to do, Mark. It's just amazing that you can have someone talking about something and then you could just respond with, we will need it. We will need it here. I mean, I'm going to do it today when I go to Sainsbury's. Whatever they say to you, I go, we will need it. And just see what happens. There was a it's... moment when the uh, the curtain was pulled away in the Parkinson interview, of course, where you think, well, why is Parkinson on? Oh, OK, there's a documentary, Parkinson at 50. And then he said, um, well, you know, this this uh, this documentary uh, is uh, done by my son, Mike, he's produced it. And he go, oh, here we go. And I think that this documentary done by my son, Mike, he's produced it. Yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> my son, by the way, also called Michael. Yeah, that's Michael Parkinson. Yeah. Yeah. But the young one. Yeah. Here's a weird thing. You'd think if you were like Michael Parkinson and you wanted to call your child after you, you'd choose the first one, wouldn't you? Nope. This is the third son. It's like he ran out of names. He went, I like the names Keith, I like the name Peter. I don't like any other names. It's got to be Michael from now on. <laughs> it's even that old Billy Connolly. So. Okay. There was a good um, uh, handbrake turn that was that was that was. Well, it wasn't even a handbrake turn. It was an actual. It was an, almost a proper television segue mm. into Michael Parkinson, which went from the film about seabirds, which was shot <laughs> in the northeast, which we'll talk about, uh, where they went into Michael Parkinson saying, "Well, Michael, that was um, that was your neck of the woods, wasn't it?" Now then, Sir Michael, that was your neck of the woods there in Yorkshire. And that got us into Parkinson, but it came off this film where two presenters um, were on a cl- this was an odd thing. Yeah. It was a, it started off as a sort of classic wildlife one show filler piece, mm. but rapidly became t- uh, two men <laughs> Well, look, what happened was they went to see some birds. They went to see some puffins. They, they seemed so keen on birds. Disinterested. Mm. And they had to well, force the, oh, wow. Yeah, Holly it, and the, Nadine the, go bird watching for the very first time. And crucially, as you can tell by that piece, the very last time. <laughs> yeah. Because but everything's in the middle like, of yeah, it. Yeah, man. Wow. Bro, that is so rare for us to see. They spend like the first 40 days underground. Wow. And they'll only come out when they're ready to leave, bro. There was there was shots of, of puffins and, and gannets. I don't like them, they wet their nests. Right? <laughs> and, and, and there was niche. Uh, and then um, they got excited about albatrosses, albatry, didn't they? They did. And, and, but then in the middle of this, there was some shots of seabirds, and then a shot of them on a bench in Bridlington talking about ice cream. Ice cream, ice cream. I think my first memory of a holiday by the sea would have been Bournemouth. I definitely remember the seagulls being Yeah. I think that was probably the first time I realised how vicious they can be. Yeah. Love seagulls, man. Love seagulls. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> and it was like they'd run out of bird films. They, and then, then they talked about ice cream. But later on, we got a film all about ice cream. And I wondered whether that was deliberate. Because that was also shot in the same region. Same crew. And if you want to stay yeah. really niche, then the ice cream favourite could have been Albatross. When they were saying albatross, albatross, I was like, please, God, let one of them turn to the other one and just go, it's fucking albatross flavoured. I mean, (laughs) the report on ice cream was a thrill ride for me. But first, come rain or shine, no British summer is complete without a Mr Whippy. (laughs) But whether you love a classic cone or something more sophisticated, as these sellers show, when it comes to making the perfect ice cream, the one ingredient they all have in common is a massive scoop of passion. 
of absolute yeah. thrill ride. They start yeah, off yeah, with yeah, some yeah. Vox Pops of people going, well, it has to be chocolate ice cream for me, <laughs> or, is it, or, or, or it's not ice cream. It has to be something to do with chocolate, or I'm not liking it. Someone else going, I just like vanilla. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> oh, I like to throw strawberry mivvies at gypsies. It's just, just ridiculous. <laughs> and then there's the obligatory, let's find the two most shoreditch wankers we can find on the coast, and we find them. I wanted to do an ice cream shop, and Ben wanted to bar. We're both quite happy to meet in the middle as well. It's a good fusion. Yeah. We're very focused on the science uh, behind what we do. The reason we use liquid nitrogen is it's an incredibly uh, cold component and by using that you get a really rapid freeze on your gelato or ice cream. Oh, oh in the, the, the Bogner Regis Gelato Emporium. Yes, and they are the <laughs> cocktail um, equivalent, aren't they? Oh, oh I just hated every this slim was the second company. of them. They were called Brozen. Of course they, they were. Oh, <laughs> absolute worst. Two posh brothers, very much into the science of ice cream. Yeah, uh, yeah we do know, all sorts. science to yeah. the scoops, yeah. Uh, we, we do yeah. all sorts of flavours. You know, we do saffron, lost mitten and toilet duck. <laughs> Um, gin, lesbian and narwhale um, Try our favourite Which is cumin, pessary and conspiracy theory It's amazing <laughs> Just I'll shut up you bastards uh, when, when, when one of them said Saffron flavoured gelato I really thought a sister was going to come out of the way. Hiya. <laughs> yeah. um, that, that piece, my, uh, the bit where they had all the people talking about what ice creams they like, the best bit is where it cut to like a stereotypical Nouvelle Vague Italian guy yeah. who just went, chocolate. Chocolate. Dark chocolate. Dark chocolate. chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> Vaguely sexual. For me, it was it, the, the, the speech highlight was the woman, Katie, she was called, mm. um, and she worked in, you know, some ice cream emporium where they made Knickerbocker Glories, and she showed us how to make the perfect Knickerbocker Glory. She but, did. Uh, but through her recipe, her voice went really weird and up at the end of every <laughs> sentence. So she says, and then we add the coolie. Chocolate, <laughs> strawberry, and vanilla. Top it off with some more coolie, whipped cream, a wafer disc, a maraschino cherry, and long-handled teaspoon. That's when you know it's an ice cream sundae. And the, the ice cream! And it was like she'd got a sugar rush high at the end of every sentence she was speaking. It's either that or the glass was too cold. Because <laughs> she said it's not... She, I like the fact that she went, it's not an ice cream sundae unless you use a long spoon. You've just got the spoon? If you, if you, a spoon? If you didn't choose the long spoon option, you'd get slapped. <laughs> I liked the way she was making it. She was wearing one of those COVID face visors and it made it look like she was worried that the sundae was going to explode. <laughs> she looked like she was diffusing a knickerbocker. Glory. Well, I don't know if you saw in the late 90s, Mark. I mean, Lady Diana did a lot of good work diffusing Sundays um, in the Middle East. They had a little vox pop during this bit while she was making those. And uh, the first woman said, I think British people just like ice cream. Don't ask me why. I think British people just adore ice cream. Don't ask me why. And the only reason she's come up with saying that is because she's literally been asked why the British yeah. people like yeah. ice cream. Exactly. And they've gone, that is good enough to put on TV. A woman who has basically said, I will not answer the question you've asked. Happy, yeah. that's good. There you go. And then I don't like vanilla ice cream because it's racist. <laughs> and the next person said, I just think it's a sweet delicacy. I just think it's a sweet delicacy. <laughs> no shit, no shit. <laughs> Delicacy, <laughs> but the fact that they, this was on this was on the same program as Michael Parkinson, <laughs> who talked about <laughs> you'll find us about... in the delicacy aisle. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Michael Parkinson talks about learning journalism and how journalism was important in television and how he started off. And uh, and, and then they, they, they had to counter with that with a film that was just about what's your favourite flavour ice cream? Oh, I know. Like, I know. It's amazing. Every single piece they show you is things you already have heard of and know. Yeah, completely. And they offer yeah. nothing else. Even the bit where Paul rode Ollie and Nadina to look at birds. Clearly so disinterested. Like, oh, yeah, that's a brown albatross. It's got a wingspan of four metres. Well, I did have a look into who they were. And it's quite interesting. So this actually started with the only handbrake turn of the two shows. So they said, uh, now, stress levels soared during lockdown. And oh so my too God. did bird watching. Uh, stress levels soared during lockdown. So too did bird watching, which is no surprise, really, given that a recent study... Really? That was amazing. Unrelated. So the guys are Oli uh, Alana Pekin and Nadine Pereira. Pekin by name. Pekin by nature. Um, <laughs> And they are sort of like trying to make uh, birdwatching cool. So they are two young men of colour. Um, I looked them up. They are uh, an organisation called Flock Together. And this is how they describe themselves. Uh. A bird gang devised by founders uh, Ollie and Nadine to help combat the underrepresentation of black and other people of colour in nature. So, you know, good movement. Yeah. Nadine, 26-year-old youth... Hang on, there are coach. loads of black and people of colour in nature. Yes, you know, I know Generally speaking. <laughs> I, know. I mean, you know, <laughs> being... Being human beings and all. I mean, uh, you know. Yes. I, I, don't, I don't think that's their point, John. They're, In nature. Have I missed, yeah. the, have I missed the point again, you may, you may have missed the point again. Uh, yeah. but we, Nadine, we've definitely not seen David Attenborough do a documentary about black people at any point. <laughs> Nadine, they, he says, his little bio, he's loved nature from a very early age and has been a serious bird watcher for well over a decade. Fair enough. Ollie. 36-year-old creative director. He's the founder of award-winning creative agency Superimpose slash Futureimpose. Ollie has helped a number of global brands stay relevant to younger audiences. There is no mention of birdwatching. So when you go back and watch it, you'll see Nadim is like, oh my God, I can't believe it. I've seen an albatross. Albatross, albatross, albatross. Albatross! Let's have a look out there. I can see something floating with heavy black wings. Yeah, that is the albatross. The wave, ball. yeah, can you see that it? That is the albatross. Wow. We're looking at a good, like, two and a half, three metre wingspan. I've seen an albatross. And Ollie is very much like, where did you go I, on holiday when you were a kid? Yeah. <laughs> I, I've just seen the arcade and the pasty van. Can we go there? Yes. Yeah. That's, that explains why they went to sit on a bench and have an ice cream and talk about seagulls, because that's the only bird that the other guy had never heard about. Exactly. You get to the point where you suddenly realise they can't do a very involved thing, because I think it would be slightly dishonest, because yes. one of them is not actually seemingly very like, au fait and up-to-date with bird watching. He is just a punter. And that isn't the yeah. sort of thing you want. You don't want punters. I don't know why Nadim isn't doing it by himself. But then I'm probably, you know, I'm not the creative director of the person who runs Well, he needed thing. someone to bounce off, didn't he, Mark? He needed someone to bounce off to make that piece fly. I, 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 I was impressed I that, they, that they did link the ice cream on the bench and then later had this film about ice cream. Oh, and by yeah. the way, in that film, the, the, the man who had been... What did they say? He was, he was the, the longest-serving ice cream man in... Leeds. Leeds yeah, I, I, he basically won. He won some awards, and so like, yeah. unlike a lot of ice cream men, he wasn't just involved in turf wars or selling drugs. But serving up to five hundred perfect ice creams a day is only part of Ian's award-winning service. He's always so kind, and I'm telling you, if the kids drop the ice cream in front of him, he will give him another one free of charge. He's, He's the, the most self-serving man in Leeds. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> but he, there was a there was an interesting cutaway. He said, "Well, you know, we, we've been doing this for years. I did, my parents did it, my you know, my father did, it, my grandfather did it, and now I work in ice cream, and, and both my daughters work with us." And then they showed a picture of him with three daughters. We've been in this park now for over twenty years. I've been born into the ice cream. My parents both sold ice cream. Both my daughters work oh, with us. I, and it was like, oh, hello. I think well, we're I, not going to mention the third one, the black sheep. She, she fucking hates it. She think, loathes it. I think, <laughs> I think, it, I'm not sure it was a daughter. I think it may have been the mum. And I ah. think she is she is staying young on a diet of screwballs and mivies. <laughs> you know, she looked great. I loved some of the lines in this were properly funny. They were like from a sort of not very well written comedy. But Ian Smith from Leeds believes the ice cream van isn't going anywhere. Ian Smith from Leeds believes that the ice cream van isn't going anywhere. Well, that defeats the fucking point of having one, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> he then told us how to make a, a make a 99, and it went like this. Single cone, ice cream, flake, push it halfway in, fantastic. Single cone's the best. Fresh ice cream, flake, push it halfway in, fantastic. Absolutely unbelievable. Um, yeah. He also said the line... You know, because once ice cream gets in your blood, you can't get it out. Once it gets in your blood, you can't get it out. (laughs) Well, it clots, doesn't it? It clots. (laughs) And there we simply stop the podcast bus, because like the Taliban, we need to check what's on board before we can continue tomorrow with part two. Again, it's sort of like the Taliban, but rather than shoot Malala in the head, spoiler, she lived, she's fine now, we're just checking it for engaging one-show content. In the event that there isn't any, there won't be, we'll be back tomorrow for the second part of the return of the The One Show Show. Hello, I'm Tom, and I make a podcast where I log in to celebrities' Amazon accounts. It's called... What a brilliant idea for a pod. There's no original pods out there anymore, but this genuinely is. Thanks, Ben Bailey-Smith. Anyway, it's called... This is good, isn't it? It's clever, this podcast. You should do more. Thanks, Kerry Godleyman. It's called... This is such a great idea, by the way. What a great podcast. Shappi Corsander, you're too kind. The podcast is called... It's biographical. You can get all sorts of information out of people. This is a very good idea. Thank you, Nick Helm. It's called My Mate Bought a Toaster. I'm going to listen to this podcast. Thanks, Alex Horn. Can you tell your friends? Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the French Open title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV, live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand, beginning Monday, May 20th. Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? 
we wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.